Last week, I guess, was um, vacation Bible school, and it um, seems like that was two weeks ago, but uh, that was last Wednesday. Good to be back in church here this evening uh, in the, the main church building. I'm, I always feel more comfortable here in the pulpit and in our places. First Peter chapter number 1, and... Let's pick it up in verse number 10 again, if you would please, here this evening. 1 Peter chapter number 1 and verse number 10. The Bible says, Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow unto whom it was revealed, that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things, which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ." Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please guide and direct my thoughts this evening. Lord, I pray that you'd pour out your Spirit upon the service tonight. I pray that you would speak to people's hearts and do the work that only you can do. We pray this as we ask it in Jesus' name. And amen. You can be seated. (laughs) We see it here in verse number 13. As we finished in this passage last week, Where the Bible says, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Does anybody remember what that means? When the Bible says to gird up the loins of your mind, it essentially means to prepare them for action. Remember? The Bible tells us to be sober. That means to be calm and collected in spirit. To be temperate, dispassionate, circumspect. We know there are things that we should be passionate about and zealous about when it comes to spiritual and righteous things. Nobody could accuse John the Baptist of being dispassionate. Nobody could accuse Peter of being dispassionate. Nobody could accuse Jesus of being dispassionate. He was clearly passionate, and the Bible calls his crucifixion and his love for his people his passion. Are you with me? So in the spiritual realm, there are things that we should be passionate about, but when it comes to our attachment to the things of this life, we should not be passionate about those things which do not matter, but we should be passionate about those things which are eternal. Is everybody okay? Now, there's nothing wrong with enjoying those things of the temporal life. There's nothing wrong with enjoying your family, enjoying a little time off. Some people, I think, this week are taking that last little bit of advantage of the summer uh, break. And as school is upon us, now as I was uh, talking to uh, Brother Donald before church, he said, yeah, everything is transferring over from school to holidays now and uh, at Walmart there as they're clearing the shelves and already setting up for Christmas. We have already transitioned into that period of time. And so that time of year is upon us. There's nothing wrong with uh, enjoying your time together as family and there's nothing wrong with taking a little bit of time and, and enjoying each other and enjoying the things of this world. But at the same time, we should never be more passionate about the things of this life than we are about the eternal things. 
And so the Bible tells us that we should be sober in our behavior and in our minds, which means to be calm and collected in spirit, not to be stirred up about all the things that the world and their um, uh, passions are stirred up about. Passionate about wicked things. Passionate about the LGBTQIA plus agenda. Passionate about Hollywood and movies and the new Netflix series. Passionate about anything but that which really matters. We have allowed ourselves to have our emotions stirred up and become passionate about things that do not necessarily matter in the grand scheme of things, but... In eternity, we should always be concerned, or in an eternal mindset, we should always be concerned as Christians about those things which are eternal. Setting our affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Everybody okay? Now we saw this last week. And then we focused on that part of the phrase in verse number 13. Look at it with me where the Bible says, And hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We talked about the finalization of our salvation. Hey, that sounds like a message title right there. The finalization of our salvation. Uh, And so we, we talked about how that our grace, which now we experience in part, will one day when Jesus appears be full grace applied to our lives at the moment that this robe of flesh drops off and we meet Him in the air and with a smile on our face and a tear in our eyes we see our Savior for the first time. And the grace that shall come unto us and will be uh, brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ will, will pale, in, or this grace that we live in now will pale in comparison with that which we will one day receive. We ended on that last week, that concept of grace that will one day come unto us at the appearing and revelation of Jesus Christ. But I want to backtrack just a smidge and just give you one short thought tonight. I think one short thought. Let's call it one simple thought. We'll see how short it is. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and what is this phrase? And hope to the end. Do you see that? Are you with me in verse number 13? Say it with me now. And hope to the end. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray again that you would please pour out your Spirit upon your people. I pray that you pour out your Spirit upon this service. Lord, I know who I am and what I am. I know I'm just a man. If anything is going to be done tonight eternally, it has to be done by the power of your Spirit and the power of your Word. I yield myself to you and I beg you please to speak to your people. We pray this as we ask it in Jesus' name. And amen. When we use the word hope, Today. Now remember the series that we're on right now, and I don't know if it'll go past this week or not. I'll continue to pray about those things and see if I can get in tune with the Lord enough to know His mind and see if this is what He would have us to do. But I believe at least for a little while longer we may continue on this series or this concept of the end times and the Christian. In other words, we study often about the end times and we have great interest in the end times and we should. I talked about that in the first week of this study, how that we should see in the signs of the times all of those things that are ahead and we should be interested in the signs of the times. But we often focus on the signs and not as much on the instructions about these last days towards the Christian. 
What is the phrase that is used here? Hope to the end. The word hope means something different to us than it does in this phrase. The word hope to us is more of a unsurety. We're not sure if it's going to turn out well or not, but we are hoping for the best. Hope today has become a word that is as if it's a 50-50 equation, and we are just determined to take the positive side of that equation. We're going to give everything that we have to believing that it'll turn out good. That is what hope has come to mean in today's time. More of the glass half full than the glass half empty mindset. That's what we consider hope to be. I hope that my kids make it home after being gone for about 10 to 12 days at their grandparents'. We, we treat it that way. I hope my team wins. It is not a statement of anything other than question. There is a great question about whether or not things will turn out well, and I am putting my trust in the fact that they will. That's how we use the word hope today. But that is not the intention of the word here. When the Bible says hope, to the end. It is speaking of having a sincere and confident expectation. A sincere and confident expectation. In other words, God is not telling us to throw up in the air our questions about whether or not this will come to pass in a good manner, but rather to rest in sincere, trustful confidence of the things that God has said will come. In other words, Christian, as we live in these last days, and as we are faced with so many trials and so many troubles, we are to, listen now, we are to have confidence in our minds that causes in us an expectation because we are so confident in the Scriptures and so confident in the things that God has promised that we don't walk around with a 50-50 equation in our hearts and minds, but rather we walk around with a sincere trust of what is ahead. And because of that, we don't live in this 50-50 place in these last days. We walk and live with a different mindset than the rest of this world. While the rest of this world sees all of the things that are happening and questions what may come if this election isn't won or if that person gets into office or if this new uh, disease seems to spread. And by the way, if they want to... Okay, all right, all right, got to be careful what I say. The whole monkeypox thing. I'm going to leave it alone. I'm trying to be happier tonight. <laughs> trying to be kinder. This is the new kinder, gentler me tonight. Brother Daniel, that was a sincere laugh right there. I don't, I'm kind of offended by how genuine that was. There's a, ha! 
We'll see. I hope. <laughs> While the rest of the world lives in this life with a 50-50 mindset of, I don't know how this thing is going to turn out, but I'm going to choose the positive. We don't walk that way. The Bible says as we face these last days, we are to walk with our heads held high, our shoulders squared back in confidence that what God has said is going to come to pass and we trust it so much that we sincerely, genuinely expect it to happen. What is it that we expect to happen? We expect our Savior to return. We expect to be delivered from all of this. And we expect to enter into perfect peace and rest. We don't live in a 50-50 world, Christian. We live with a different hope than they do. We live with a sincere, genuine trust and expectation of what is to come. With full confidence that what He has said will come to pass. But what is our hope based on? The Bible tells us that our hope comes from a few things. 1 Peter chapter number 1 and verse number 3, backtrack just a little bit and read it with me. The Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy <laughs> hath begotten us again unto a what? Lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Do you see that? Now our lively hope, which was placed in us because we were begotten again from the dead. Now, now, listen, we understand what that means, but I cannot just pass over it. Can we just think about that a little bit? To say that we were begotten again from the dead means that we, when, we, when we were born into this life, there were too many W's, I couldn't get them all out. When we were born into this life, we were born into a life with a flesh filled with sin and a dead spirit which was quickened and made alive by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And so when we received Jesus Christ, we who were dead in our trespasses and sins were made alive again. And when our spirit was revived in us, it brought with it a new hope. The Bible tells us that according to His abundant mercy, He hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now listen, what does that mean? That means that we have hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now listen, I said this I think on Easter morning and I will probably repeat it many Easter mornings after this if the Lord tarries His coming. But you know what? There is proof that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead that goes beyond just the Scriptures. Historically, can I explain to you that with all of the enemies that our Savior had and with all of the world religions who would like to prove the Bible wrong, if they could have found Him, they would have found Him. The greatest of our evidence that Jesus Christ rose from the dead is that there is no evidence that He ever died. They know where His tomb was. They were guarding it. Do you not think 
they would be parading us by that tomb with glee in their hearts and minds that our Savior didn't get up. They never found his body. And it was commonly reported among the Jews that story which they made up that his disciples came and stole it. You know, if this was all just a big ruse, then don't you think one of those disciples when they were dying for the name of Jesus Christ, maybe just one of them, would have finally come clean? Don't you think when Peter was hanging upside down for his faith, if he didn't really believe it was true because he had not seen the resurrected Christ himself, don't you think before it ever got to that point, he would have recanted everything he ever said? Don't you think before John was boiled in hot oil, if it was all just fake, that he would have admitted that it was all a big lie and that he made it all up and it wasn't true? Don't you think before Paul was stoned and left for dead, that if it was all a big lie and he had never seen the resurrected Savior, that he would have finally come clean and said, it never happened, leave me alone. Not a single one of them recanted their faith because they saw a risen Savior and they knew that He was alive. And my friend, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have proof of His power to do all things. We have proof of His power to raise us also. And this alone is all the hope that we need. We have hope. And we hang on to that hope with full confidence and expectation because we have proof that He rose from the dead. Romans chapter number 15, look at your Bibles very quickly in Romans chapter number 15 and verse number 4. Romans chapter number 15 and verse number 4. The Bible says about our hope here, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have what? Now we get hope through the resurrection and we have confidence that we can have hope and a sincere expectation because He rose from the dead and the Bible says that we get that hope and we have that hope and it comes through the Scriptures. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our what? For our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. What is being said here is that the things that were done were written, like Jesus Christ's resurrection, were written and recorded in the Bible so that we through the Scriptures might have patience and hope. Are you listening? Hey, Christian, when you get to the point where you're lacking a little bit of hope, Hope, these things were written for our learning, for our patience. And listen, as a Christian, each and every one of us can be comforted through the mighty scriptures of the Word of God through which we receive the hope that we need. We get hope from the resurrection and we get hope from the scriptures. We know that they are accurate and complete. We know that they have been filled in every thing prophesied about Christ and everything else 
that has been said. We are even today seeing the fulfillment of the prophecies of the book of Revelation where the Bible makes it clear that they will one day control all of the buying and selling upon the earth. How can they do that if we are in a cash monetary system? But if they put us all in a digital currency where they can close your bank accounts and control everything you've got, they can decide whether or not you can buy and sell in the grocery stores. We are seeing it all happen today even still where the foundation is being laid for the things that we already know about. The prophecies are being fulfilled right before our eyes. And through these things, we don't read about these things and despair about them. We instead have confidence that our Bible is true. And if our Bible is true, and it is, then through the learning of the Scriptures, we have even more hope. Is everybody okay? But not only that, turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, would you please? The Bible is talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And what are the gifts of the Spirit? Well, the Bible says there are various and that there are many, but there are some that have passed away because they were apostolic gifts and they were given to the apostles alone as signs that Jesus Christ had truly risen from the dead and given them that message that He had risen from the dead. And when the apostles passed off the scene, the gifts of healing and the gifts of raising from the dead and gifts of tongues and things of that nature that had been given in part were taken away. Is everybody okay? These things have passed, but there are some gifts of the Spirit that remain. And when you get saved, I think there is... Now, this is just my opinion. It's from the book of 2 Joshua. But I happen to believe that there are many and various gifts that when we get saved, that God will at times give gifts that are not mentioned in the Scriptures in order for His church to be filled with the needs to be met. The Bible doesn't mention auto mechanics in the Bible, but I believe God gives the gift of that kind of work to some people so that we can have our buses continue to run and for the occasional uh, 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 older lady in the church that can't work on her car herself, then the man who knows how to do so can do that for her. That is a fulfillment of the church's needs to make sure that every part has its needs met by every part. Is everybody okay? But there were no automobiles in the Bible. That is not a gift that existed in those days. But Brother Pete McElrath certainly got it. And aren't we glad that he did? And aren't we glad that men in, 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 in our church know how to do construction type things? And aren't we glad that there are men in our church who know how to do electronic type things? And, and things that we could never fathom or understand, they can in a heartbeat help us with it. And those things help our church to run, help our homes to run and help us edify each other as we help each other in this Christian life. I believe there are various gifts that are given, but some that are more of a spiritual nature, and those that were apostolic gifts have passed on. I've dealt with this on multiple occasions, but we haven't done a full study on it, I suppose. But what are some of the gifts that the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 and verse number 13? And now abideth faith, what? Hope and charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. These are the abiding gifts of the Spirit. They abide in every Christian. And they don't go away. They abide, they stay, they stick with every Christian. What are they? Faith, hope, and charity. And I believe that God doles these gifts out to every one of His people. And if we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, then we are filled with hope. 
The more filled with the Spirit we are, the more hope we have. Listen to this preacher, though. The more filled with the flesh we are, the less hope we have. Man, I have seen Christians that live a more fleshly life, live with less hope than those Christians which are filled with the Spirit and hanging on to every word of the Word of God and spending time in their devotions and spending time in prayer and listening to the preaching and coming to every service that they can, those Christians have an easier time hanging on to hope in the hard times. Why? Because they're filled with more spiritual things than carnal. But boy, the more fleshly things we get filled with instead of those things of the Spirit, the more hope we lose and the more despaired we become. If you want to live in hope in this life, make sure you're right with God and filled with the Spirit of God. Spend time with Him. Walk with Him. Fellowship with Him. Read His Bible. Pray. Come to church. Do everything in your power to live every day filled with the Spirit of God and He will fill you with hope because it's a gift of the Spirit. Moving along. Where do we get this hope from? The Bible tells us we get it from the resurrection. We get it from the scriptures. We get it from the spirit. Is everybody with me? And look at 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we'll pick it up in verse number 8. Oh, I can't help it. Look at verse number 5. Because we need to read this. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep in the night and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the what? The hope of salvation. There is no hope that can come quite like the hope we get when we know we're saved. We get hope from being delivered from our sin. We get hope from being delivered from hell. We get hope from being delivered from that eternal separation from God that others will experience. We are able to receive hope from our salvation. And if you hang on to that hope of your salvation and that eternal deliverance, boy, it is a helmet to the thoughts of your mind. It protects your thoughts. When your thoughts begin to waver and you begin to question things because of the hardship of this life, when you look forward to that salvation that is to come, it that hope begins to protect even more those thoughts from creeping in because you know one day you'll be delivered from all the things that you're going through here in this life. The Bible says we are to hope to the end. Is everybody with me? Hope to the end. That means to sincerely and with full confidence and expectation look forward to what we know is coming. That's the kind of hope we live with, not that 50-50 stuff. We live with sincere, full confidence and expectation of the day of Christ. And the Bible tells us that we do this with perfect and complete and unwavering faith. Hoping to the end reminds us of the temporary nature of our trials. 
It helps us rejoice in our deliverance from them. And it renews a proper mindset about how to deal with them. Hope to the end. Not with a wavering 50-50 confidence that chooses the positive instead of the negative, but rather with a sincere, trustful confidence and expectation of what is to come. And hold on to that perfectly and completely and without wavering regardless of what you're going through in this life. Hope to the end. Live and walk in confidence in the precious promises of God that will one day come to pass. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please instill in our hearts and minds these simple truths.